bless you. You can be seated. I got to say, it's good to have everyone in one service this morning. I got to tell you, too, as a pastor, I felt a little guilty getting to church an hour later. Our worship team felt a little guilty getting to church an hour later. But we're excited because the season we believe God has our church, our ministry in, uh, it's, it's right for us to come together at this time. Uh, as you pulled in this morning, I'm sure you saw all the progress from our groundbreaking to today. Aren't you thankful that the progress, that the dirt is being moved, we're making progress? Can we just thank God that he made a way for that to take place this morning? You know, it's amazing. Years ago, plans were drawn up in about 2004. All the, our, our board and, and families got together and, and put collateral up and said, we are ready to build the school. This was, I was meeting with uh, our family and we were discussing this. And they went to approach to get a loan so that we could have um, the facilities needed to grow the school. Well, the, the loan officer denied and as you know, in 06, the housing crashed, the economy crashed and things. And so when you see over there, this has been in a vision as we shared last week. Vision is seeing the harvest and the seed. And so when we see that dirt moving, it is a long vision that has been prayed for, that has been believed for. And so it's awesome to see God bless it, move it forward, and make a way. So we're thankful to see the work begin. But this morning as I've been in prayer, um, I really want to talk on the topic of vision. And the title of the message, if you're taking notes this morning, is really a confession or a prayer, but it's renew my vision. Renew my vision. Yes. You know, when I think about renewed vision, uh, a story comes to mind, and it's really of the Apostle Paul. Now, how many of you know, first and foremost, God really loves to use bad people. When he can take someone bad, when he can take someone in sin and transform their lives, many of the times the testimony they have when they get to the other side, when they're saved, converted, renewed, that they have such, they're such, they were good at being bad, now they're great at being good for the kingdom of God. We really see this as really the whole church is large is talking about uh, artist Kanye West and his conversion and his music and his album. His album, Jesus is King, if you've seen, is, is topped all the charts. Every single one of his songs on his album is on the Billboard Top 100. And all the statistics are coming out that there's been a spike in Google searches of people asking, what is, who is Jesus? What is Christianity? That he's reaching a world that a pastor, that a church really can never reach. And so God, and there's been a lot of uh, talk and, and, and looking at his conversion and his testimony that he's being related to really a modern day Saul to Paul. And so when you see that testimony, you see God putting a vision in his life, he's running with it and thousands are coming to salvation because of his testimony, because of his heart. One tweet went viral and I found it funny that Kanye has a song called Gold Digger and one of the, she said, I used to, to dance to it provocatively, and now, since I've been saved, restored, now I'm worshiping with an artist that used to be here, now it's here, and, and what she said is, you're never too far gone for God to reach and for God to rescue. So it's awesome to really see a spirit of revival happening in Hollywood, things being turned upside down, and it's great to see that is, is the church, that those with questions, those seeking, that we would welcome them in and say, hey, there's a home for you, there's a place for you to get the vision of God on your life. 
But as I was just seeing those statistics and just kind of watching his story, I began to think about vision. And I began to think about Paul specifically. And we see this in Acts chapter 9. We see his conversion experience. If you read it, you'll see that Paul was on his way, the road to Damascus. He was on his way to get assignments or to get a letter, to get um, strategy on how he can persecute and murder and kill Christians. Now, the Bible is very clear that Paul was a murderer of Christians. Now, this is what he did, and this was the hate and the jealousy and the envy, the pride, the, the religious spirit that was in him. But you know what happens if you've read the story, that as he was on the road to Damascus, that he encounters Jesus. And everything changed in that moment when Paul when Saul encountered Jesus. Now this is the amazing thing about Saul's conversion that really speaks to me, and this is where I want you to be challenged this morning as we talk about renewing my vision. Because we go through seasons of life, we go through different uh, points in our life where we need to have this heart to say, my vision is dim, my vision is not clear, my vision of you, where are you God? I, I wanna see the victory, but I'm not there yet. That again, the, the harvest, you have to see it in the seed. And so we see Paul, who is this religious man that God would use greatly because we know the end of the story, but we see when he encountered Jesus, and this is what I want you to see if you put it up on the screens here in Acts 29, verse six, from his conversion, he said this. He said, I was not uh, disobedient to the heavenly vision. Well, we're gonna get to that in a second. Sorry, this is Acts 9, verse six. But what he said on the road to Damascus was this. He said, when he had that conversion when he saw Jesus, he said this powerful statement here. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Now, I think this is really a powerful testimony of a conversion because we kind of get, the waters get mixed up of, of what is a salvation experience? What is a salvation conversion? Now, we know it's more, yes, there's the initial, you come down the aisle, you pray a prayer, you cry out to God, but where you see the power and the vision come into your life is when you say what Paul did, I've encountered the living God. I can no longer go back to where I was. Lord, what do you want me to do? What is this vision for my life? And so we see Paul have this powerful experience, this powerful encounter, that a man who knew all the religion, he knew how to practice, he knew what to say, what to do, but he had never met Jesus. And so here's where we see him meet Jesus, and he again says this powerful statement. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And we know that through this, God changed his name from Saul to Paul and began to put the vision. In the scripture we just saw, Acts 29, 19, Acts 26, 19, it even shows that there's this heavenly, heavenly vision that's available to all of us when we begin to pursue God. And that's where he says as he's talking about his conversion here to King Agrippa, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. How many of you know that each and every one of you have a heavenly vision for your life? And what Paul is saying here, I wanted to be all in, I was all for, I was, and the thing about Paul is he was very aggressive, that he channeled that aggression into his salvation experience and into his walk to advance the kingdom of God, as he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and all, and everything Paul did. But what I want you to see and what I want you to be renewed this morning is that there is a heavenly vision available that God wants to get into your life. And I pray that we can say, as Paul did, 
that I wasn't disobedient to it, but I embraced it, and I embraced what God had, has and had for my life. 1 John 3, 2 says this. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him. See, when you experience Jesus, and this is the point I'm trying to make, when you encounter Jesus, something happens within you where it says, I want to be like Jesus. And when I see Jesus, as Paul did when his name was changed from Saul to Paul, he saw who he really was as well. He saw what the, this heavenly vision, this assignment that began to invigorate him, that he began to pursue what God had for his life. Not what his flesh wanted, not what his ambitions were, but it's what God had for his life. And so I'm telling you, when you encounter the living God, when you encounter Jesus for who he is, you change. You wanna be like him. You leave friends behind. You leave relationships behind. And you say, whatever it takes, Jesus, I wanna be like you. I want the heavenly vision for my life. When we see him, we become like him. As I was thinking about the heavenly vision, I thought about the gospel story in Matthew 14, 29. We see a powerful story where Peter does the miraculous, where he steps out and he walks on water. One of the coolest Bible stories, gospel stories, we see that uh, this miraculous defying nature, defying the laws of physics where Peter does the supernatural and he walks on water. And I was thinking about this and, and it's such a picture of having heavenly vision. It's such a picture of keeping our focus on Jesus. Because you know the story, what does it say? It says that they were in the storm, they were freaking out, they uh, didn't know what to do, the boat was rocking, and they see a man in the distance, and they couldn't quite make out who it was, but they saw a man walking on water. And Peter faint, faintly looking out, trying to make who it is, and sees that it's Jesus, and he utters this statement, he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Now here's what I love, because this is what speaks of, of who Jesus is is that Jesus right here and what you see, what does he say? He said, come. He didn't preach a big message to Peter to get his faith up. He didn't prophesy to him. What does he say? He simply says, come. And so when Jesus said, come, something rose up in Peter. And so what does he do? Peter, with his eyes fixed on Jesus, steps out of the boat and begins to walk on water. How amazing is that? But the key is, is that his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's, he's listening to what the Lord is saying. He's listening to, to Jesus saying, okay, come, I'm coming. But you know what happens as he begins to walk, as he's doing the miraculous, his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's, he's focused in like a flint. But what happens is he begins to lose his focus. His focus breaks. And he begins to look at the conditions around him. He begins to, to look at the storm. He begins to look at what's happening in the water and the waves. And it says that when his focus breaks, what happens? He begins to sink. And see, this is a powerful picture, is that when we begin to lose our focus, and what I felt in my spirit is if you're struggling in this place, is a, a sign you need a renewed vision, is that the things you used to be able to walk on top of, when you see it shift and the things that you used to be on top of are now on top of you and the things that you were walking on, now you're sinking in, that's a good place to get on your knees and hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come and say, Jesus, I need my vision renewed. 
I need you. I need you to speak to me. I need your word to guide me in my life. What's amazing about this story is, as well, is we didn't see when Peter began to sink, Jesus didn't rebuke the storm. He didn't rebuke the water. Who did he rebuke? He rebuked Peter for his lack of faith, for his doubt, for his hesitation. Now, I think when we really kind of dig our heels in and we look at vision and we look at the gospel and we look at when Jesus wants to deposit things in our life, he's saying this very thing to us this morning. If you will come to me, you'll be able to see the way maker do the miraculous and the supernatural in your life. The key is though, you have to stay focused on me. Don't let your focus break. Don't allow the conditions to begin to determine where your faith is. Hear this, and really the main point I wanna get across to you. The job of the enemy is to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto the conditions. Now, I just want you to think about the things, the storms, the seasons you're walking through. Are your eyes really on Jesus right now or are they on the conditions around them? Are they on the circumstances? Are you caught up in fear? Are you, are you feeling like you can barely breathe when you're walking through things? Or are you making an effort? Are you making the turn to say, at all costs, I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on Jesus because when I do, I'm not gonna sink. That's where I have the assurance I'm gonna be able to walk through. The storm is still gonna be going on around me, but my eyes are gonna be on Jesus. You know, I think in, in my life, Bree and I have been married five years this past September and vision has been a huge part of our life from our marriage to now our children to the church, asking God to continually keep our vision renewed. When we feel we're in a tough place, we, I, we get to this place to say, okay, Holy Spirit, renew our vision. Don't let us get so focused on the conditions. We're not getting enough sleep. Where's the next paycheck gonna come from? You know, the things we deal with and worry with, the conditions wanna just get so big in your life where it begins to rob your faith. I think about when we first got married and we were praying and we were asking for this vision for our marriage. And God just gave us these three words, these three Ps, as we were just praying, which was, we wanna have passion in everything we do, we wanna have purpose, and we wanna walk in purity. That was really our heart, that foundation that began to guide us, that we wanna be passionate about loving each other. We wanna be passionate about the house of God. Because when we got married a, a year and a few months later, we were stepping into the position of lead pastors. So, so much of, of being young, married, stepping into the church, there was so much vision that we were seeking God on of God. What do you want this to look like? Renew this vision in our life. Many times we go back to when we're not getting a lot of sleep, we're waking up three or four times a night with Eleonora, we begin to say, God, we need some vision right now. And this was something... Uh, about three weeks in, when you're in that infancy stage, you're not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, my mom had, had come over to visit, and she had just brought this little sign. And don't you know, when you are walking through a tough time, or you need a word of encouragement, God is always right there to speak to you when you're keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. But this was something my mom found, and she, she picked it up. And we have it hanging in our house because what does the Bible even say? It says, write the vision out and make it plain, that you need to see it before your eyes. You needed that reminder. But this is just, it's so good, and you've probably read it because it's been sitting there. Charlie, I know you have great vision back there, so you were able to see this. I don't even need to read it for you. But this is what it says. It says, they're only little for such a short time. The days can be long, but the years are too short. 
Give them hugs, praise, and encouragement every day. Let them cry a little, let them giggle, and let them sleep in the middle. I don't know about that, but we'll do it. <laughs> love, my, love that space. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them again. Make sure they know how special, unique, and wonderful they are. Hold each hug a little bit longer. Let them ask questions and inspire their wonder. Show them how. Let them see how much they can do for themselves. Remember that your every word, every look, and every reaction is such a big part of the world. That's deep right there. But only for a while. Each day, they venture a little further, fly a little higher, and grow a little older. So for now, let them be little. Oh, just let them be little. So that was just a spark of vision in our life to just regain that passion, regain that purpose of, and this is for you as parents and as grandparents, is your greatest calling is loving your family, loving your children, loving your grandchildren, getting the kingdom of God into their lives and into their world. And so a heavenly vision so much looks what it looks like even when Jesus in his mission statement, when he rolled the scroll and he, and he spoke in the temple, one of the parts of it is to announce the favorable year of the Lord, announce the kingdom of God is at hand. That the heart of the heavenly vision is to get the kingdom in every part of your life. And so again, it's having this heart of saying, renew my vision, that we not sink because our eyes are off of Jesus and on the conditions and on the fear, on the anxiety. Another story is this we see of just vision and getting Jesus' vision for your life. Mark chapter eight, this is an awesome story, probably one of my favorite miracles you see in the Bible of Jesus doing a healing. It's Mark chapter eight and it's the story of healing the blind man. And what's pretty interesting about this story is that he was physically blind. He was born blind so he had not known anything different other than being physically blind. Look what the scripture says when Jesus shows up on the scene. And the, and the first part of the miracle is really the most astonishing part to me. Mark 8, 22 says this. It says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and he begged him to touch him. Verse 23, this is what's really cool about the miracle here. And very interesting, I think it speaks of vision. This is Jesus. It says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. I was looking into this, and when you look at what the town of Bethsaida represents and what it means, it, it represents a town of, of unbelief. It represents a town of doubt. So we see that Jesus just didn't heal the blind man instantly. Now, we, we love those miracles where Jesus touches them and they're healed, but this miracle's a little different. It says that before Jesus heals him, he takes the blind man by the hand and he takes the, him and guides him out of the town, out of the unbelief, out of his surroundings, out of what is familiar so that he can heal him, restore him, and put vision in his life. Now, when you think about a blind person too, being comfortable and familiar is very key because if a blind person is sitting on his couch in his home, he knows that there's eight, nine steps to the bedroom. He knows there's six, seven, eight steps to get to the bathroom. He knows his surroundings where he doesn't need a cane, he doesn't need a dog. He's very familiar and he knows that if I take certain amount of steps, I can function and I'm good and I'm okay. But Jesus takes him out of what's comfortable. He takes him out of what's known 
and he's gonna put this vision physically, but something so much deeper spiritually do a miracle in his life. Look what happens, the miracle's so cool. I don't think we could get by with this in church, but if a pastor spit on a man's eyes, but look what it says. It says, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24 says, he looked up and said, the man talking, I see men like trees walking. So right here, we don't see he's healed instantly. What we see him say is, oh my gosh, I'm, my, my eyes are beginning to open. I see as though men are walking like trees. And see, what, as I was praying through this and what I felt the Holy Spirit just put deep in my heart is that many times we stop right there. We stop right there saying, okay, it's better, I'm good, the situation's changed, but what, it, what is it gonna take to really see clear? Then everything's really gonna change in my life. And so what I want you to see through this is don't stop when the hand of God is leading you out of what's comfortable. You're gonna see progress and so allow that progress to fuel you and to keep you walking and know that the hand of God, you may be being led blind. See, many times in my life too, and I see people all the time where they wanna know everything, have all their ducks in a row, know from A to Z what it takes before they step out. But how many of you know that's usually not how the kingdom of God works? Many times it's like the story, you're having to step out blind and trust that the hand of God is leading you. And as he's leading you, your vision will be, begin to become clear. You'll begin to see, like this man says, it's as though I see men that are walking like trees. So you see the progress and you see the healing beginning to take place in his life. Look what happens again. So as his eyes began to see, his vision began to get better. He didn't settle for better. But how many of you know God has best for your life? God has abundant life that we are pursuing a life fueled by the kingdom of God. Look what happens. It says, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And it says, he was restored and saw everyone clearly. I'm telling you, when you see at points and seasons of your life where your vision is dim, when you begin to get before God and say, Holy Spirit, renew my vision, you'll begin to get clarity in the situation. You'll begin to know how to pray, what to come up against. You'll begin to know which direction to move, where to go, where not to go. I'm telling you, this is key in the life of a believer. You have to know how to get clear vision from God, but it usually takes him leading you and stepping out, and as you go, what does the word say? His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You'll begin to see clearly, and you'll begin to look back, and you'll say, man, look where God has taken me from. Look at the vision he's put in my life. You know, when the dirt started moving over here on Friday, it was a beautiful day, and and you could even smell it a little bit this morning, but there's something so was so rewarding when I walked over there and you could smell the dirt in the air. And it was such a, a, a moment of just enjoying the fruit. How many of you are thankful when you can enjoy the fruit of a vision? Just like when you're, you're, you're pregnant and, and moms, you're, you're growing that baby. And then when you have that baby, holding them in your hands and enjoying what you worked so hard for and what you were patient for. The thing I know too about this story and what you need to know about getting away and getting out of your comfort zone, getting away from negativity and what people wanna do is people have a very strong way of locking you into who you used to be. 
Have you seen that before in your life? I know I have. They, they take a picture of you of how you used to be. And, and using Kanye for an example, there's people who just want to lock him into who he used to be and don't give him that space to grow and become and progress who God is calling him to be. So don't let people, don't let situations, circumstances lock you in to who you used to be in your life. Great, great miracle. A quote I want to leave with you this morning, and it comes from St. Arrhenus. He says this, he says, the glory of God is a man fully alive, and the life of man is the vision of God. See, the heart of God, when you get that heavenly vision in your life, is it brings glory to God when he sees you walking in that heavenly vision. And so if you want to bring glory to God, if you want to do great things for God, see him become the way maker in your life. The glory of God is a man fully alive. So it's making that time to say, Holy Spirit, renew my vision. Sarah, if you would put this up, I want to run through this with you. This was a devotional on the progression of a vision. And I want to challenge you in this. And I want to encourage you where what you're believing for in your life, where you find yourself that you would be able just to lock in and say, okay, I'm right there. I, I, I don't need to give up. So this is just a quick devotional I want to read to you on really the five steps of a progression of a vision. Here's what it says. In farming, there's a time for sowing and a time for growing. We looked at that last week. And there's a time for reaping. It's the same in God's kingdom. One missionary tells of hearing a group of seasoned leaders discussing their shared experience from which a fascinating five-stage process emerged. Stage one was this. It was the birth of the vision. Initially, each of them was given a vision by the Holy Spirit accompanied by an excitement and an abiding awareness that it was from God. Stage two was this. There's the preparation. This is a key point in seeing the heavenly vision come about in your life. The preparation, this is the stage where dreams are often aborted because we don't want to do what's necessary to prepare. We don't want to do the work. When God gives you a vision, there must be some action action on your part or it will never amount to anything more than a passing daydream. I think a lot of people get stuck there. They don't put the action or put the work or begin to walk in what God has given them. Stage three, the wilderness and the struggle, another fun season. One of our biggest misconception, misconceptions is that if something is really from God, there will be no struggle involved. That's a huge myth. You can almost guarantee a significant amount of struggle will be required. This stage is the proving ground. Somebody say proving ground. This stage is the proving ground of our faithfulness. And there's no substitute for it. You can't shortcut it. Stage four, the realization of the vision. And this is what it says. This is where we finally get to enjoy the fruits of our diligent preparation and God's faithfulness. And then stage five, it's new beginnings and vision. These leaders all found themselves challenged again with fresh vision from the Holy Spirit. As a result, they concluded that their lives had been a continual cycle of ever-expanding vision. And as God entrusted them with more, it would take even greater amounts of preparation and the intensity of the battle would increase. Now you understand the stages of your vision. 
we'll post that online so you can have it. But I want you just to lock in and I want you to be encouraged that this is kind of the cycles of vision in your life and not to give up, not to grow weary. I, I see in just using this project as an example is now we're in the place of years and years of planning, of trying, of failing, of trying again and failing, redirecting, recalculating. Now we're in a place of getting to enjoy the fruits of what so many over the years have planted in and what you have planted in in the short term. We're enjoying what God is doing. But then it just doesn't stop there. Then new vision and new beginnings will come into this ministry, into your life. And so what I wanna do, Seth, as you come, there's this song called, Be My Vision. And I want us to take a moment and worship. And I'm gonna be, Bree and I are gonna be right here. If you need prayer, you just need us to lay hands on you and say, renew your vision in Jesus' name. I want us to worship and I want us just to begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit and say that very thing, say, renew my vision. Give me the heavenly vision. And what I'm thankful for, what we see in the story of the blind man, is there was a second touch. Many of us, when we come to salvation, like Paul, you have this amazing encounter with Jesus, but then through time, through life, through unforgiveness, through the thing the enemy throws, through spiritual warfare, you begin to lose the vision and it begins to get dim. And so you can't just say, I encountered Jesus once or I got baptized once, but it's this renewal, it's this filling of vision really each and every day of your life, getting up and say, keep my vision strong. Don't let me grow weary in well-doing. Don't let me grow weary in well-doing. And I'm telling you, when you begin to pray like that, you're gonna wake up with purpose. You're gonna wake up with passion. You're gonna wake up with direction. You know, this week, and someone who is praying the same thing is Jeanette, and she's here with us. But she recently lost her husband's sigil They've been members of this church for over 30 years. They were married over in the old sanctuary. And Pastor Joyce and myself were there and we uh, were just celebrating his life. And the thing that was awesome about uh, Jeanette is Pastor Joyce went and met with, with Sigil and Jeanette. They were saying, this is what we want things to look like and we wanna be prepared and, and have things planned out. And if you were there, you felt it. And Jeanette, I told you this, but the presence of the Holy Spirit was so evident there. As Pastor Joyce finished ministering, they did a song, the song Amazing Grace. And Jeanette, I looked over at you when that song was being sang. And I'm telling you, the countenance on her face and the peace you could tell she was feeling in that moment because the comfort of the Holy Spirit was there. It almost brought me to tears because it reminded me that in the midst of something so hard, of losing a spouse, that the God of comfort, the God of vision, can come and be, can begin to reinvigorate you. I think about when Pastor Joyce lost her husband and trying to figure out how things were going to look. And she, just through stories she said, would begin to get with God and say, Holy Spirit, give me fresh vision. Show me this direction in my life, what is this going to look like? Because life has a way of putting you in a place of saying, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? What, what, I didn't plan or prepare for this. And so I'm telling you, going for heavenly vision is key. It has to be a part of your prayer saying, Holy Spirit, renew my vision. If you bow your head, I'll pray for you. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. 
We thank you that there's a heavenly vision you want to deposit in our lives this morning. Father, we ask you right now in a spirit of faith, we sing it and we declare it this morning that we serve a way maker. God, I come up against any of the conditions. We rebuke them. We get our eyes off of them in the name of Jesus because the conditions want to drown us, want to sink us in fear, doubt, unbelief, keep us from being focused on Jesus. Well, Jesus says this morning, he says to come. And Father, we respond to that word to come back to you and say, Holy Spirit, renew my heavenly vision this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Now Seth's gonna sing and you can worship, but if you need...